It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Dual citizenship, intelligence officer, high school teacher. All of these have described Andy Stanfield. But Andy fell in love with quilting and is now a long-arm quilter, pattern designer, and teacher. She helps quilters enjoy, experiment, and excel as they express their creativity in a tangible way. Currently, she is enjoying the challenge of monthly designs for the Island Batik Ambassador Program. Andy and her mother have written a couple of books. Their first one was Monochromatic Quilts, Amazing Variety. Interestingly, monochromatic does not mean one fabric. It means a variety of shades, tints, and hues within one color family. Andy, thanks for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Thank you, Paula. I'm glad to be here. So glad we could get together. Tell me where you were born and raised. I was actually born in England because my father was stationed overseas with the Air Force. So a little bit of trivia. I held dual citizenship for 18 years and then as we moved around the United States. And then I obviously gave that up because I myself joined the Air Force. So you'd have to pick a specific year and ask where I lived because (laughs) I think I've been in 10 states. So joining the Air Force, you had to choose which country? It kind of was by default it just kind of expired at age 18. I would have had to take additional steps to maintain dual citizenship with the United Kingdom. And since I was obviously committed to the United States, I didn't take any additional steps to preserve that, but just kind of the little bit unusual circumstance of being born overseas. Yeah. And how old were you when you came back to the States? I was only three, so then I spent the rest of my life here in the United States, but I always thought that it would have been more fun to be born in the United States and been in England when I was a teenager (laughs) rather than vice versa. Do you have any memories of living over there when you were that little? No, just kind of the family stories that crop up and looking at enough pictures in family photo albums and things, but no real memories. I was too little. Yeah. Do you have a special childhood memory? All my childhood memories, luckily, I was very blessed to have a secure family situation, so no traumatic scenes, but just fun memories of traveling and summer vacations. We lived in Las Vegas for a few years and we had a backyard pool. So just those lazy summer days of, you know, sleeping as late as I wanted to as a kid and jumping in the pool and living in your bathing suit for weeks on end is pretty fun memory. 
How fun. How neat that your parents could provide that for you. That was really cool. Yes, and I do feel very blessed. I know family dynamics are different for everyone, but I am very close to my parents. And I actually settled here in Phoenix, and they are just 20 minutes away. So we continue to be close. Oh, that's so important. Yeah, I know I'm very lucky, and I enjoy every minute. So what brought you to Phoenix? Being close to my parents, actually, when I got out of the Air Force, I looked around and, you know, I knew I could figure out the next stage of my life and where did I want to be. And I just figured being close to home was a good, a good choice. So I came home and settled here, Um, actually married a guy who is a Phoenix native, which is Not as uncommon anymore, but for a long time, you know, everybody moves here from somewhere else. So it was unusual to find someone who was born and raised here in Phoenix. But yeah, we settled down and I've actually lived in the same house for 20 years now. Oh, wow. Very unusual after my nomadic life as a kid. So, (laughs) yeah, when you were a kid, were you in any place shorter than a year? No, we, well, actually, now I have to take that back because, yes, I went to three different high schools. So we were in Pennsylvania for just one year, and then I spent the next two years in Virginia while my father worked at the Pentagon, and then we moved out here to Phoenix, and then, of course, I went away for college and my own Air Force career. So there were a couple short stints Yeah. Now, when you were in the Air Force, what was your job? I was an intelligence officer. So I like to say that if you've ever seen the movie Top Gun, I was Kelly McGillis. (laughs) Yeah, didn't have the wild flying adventures (laughs) (laughs) that were part of that movie. But yeah, probably thankful Uh, for that, too. Yes, I did interact with the pilots a lot, obviously, kind of giving them the mission for the day. I don't want to get too deep into the Air Force terminology. And then, of course, the secrets. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, (laughs) (laughs) is the joke that intelligence officers use. Yeah. So after you came out of the Air Force, what career did you pursue? I had actually had a lifelong dream to be a teacher. So when I transitioned out of the Air Force, I did some other various filler kind of jobs and then got my teaching certificate and was a high school teacher for 18 years. So that was kind of my second career. And then I decided that I'd much rather teach something that people wanted to learn. And that's how I transitioned into the quilting world. What subject did you teach in the high school? I taught math, freshman algebra. A lot of kids did not want to be there. (laughs) I enjoyed being with the kids, but I'm much happier now teaching adults and getting to spend my days doing something I love. Yeah. Well, besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done? 
I have cross-stitch pictures and samplers in almost every room. That was my first crafting hobby. So I've got quite a few cross-stitch projects scattered around the house. And I actually got into quilting because my mother opened a fabric and yarn store as kind of her retirement project. And as I said, we live close by, so I would be down there in her shop several times a week. And you just can't be around fabric and yarn and not pick it up. So I learned how to knit and I generally have one knitting project on the go. And actually, it was funny. We were traveling for spring break this year. And the day we left, I had to quick wind a new ball of yarn so I could start an easy scarf. And my husband just looked at me in disbelief. And he said, you couldn't pick one of the other seven projects that you've started to take with you. <laughs> And I said, no, because this project, I needed to read too much of the pattern. That project had too many different colors to juggle balls of yarn. You know, I needed something simple and I didn't have one started. So cast on a new project. (laughs) How about any other hobbies? Does being a mom of a teenager count as a hobby? (laughs) (laughs) Most of the other free time that I have when I'm away from the sewing machine is just being the taxi driver. So just a few more years and she'll be old enough to drive herself to things. And then I may have time to get back to it. But I guess reading would be the only other hobby that I have stuck with. I've dabbled in scrapbooking and rubber stamping to do greeting cards and that kind of stuff. But no, the quilting has pretty much taken over my life. Yeah. So was it your mom that introduced you to quilting? Yes, I definitely followed in her footsteps to start quilting. And it's been a wonderful connection for the two of us. We'll get to it in a little bit, but it sounds like you've gotten to do some really neat projects with her. Yes. And like I say, I know I'm lucky a lot of people don't have that close, easygoing relationship with their mother that I do. So when she had her quilt shop and I would leave for the day and, you know, you always give your parents a goodbye kiss and bye, mom, I love you. And all the other staff members would kind of laugh. And well, she doesn't say she loves me. Do you have a favorite quilt? As I'm sure many of your guests say, it is very hard to choose a favorite because we put so much love and meaning into our quilts that it's hard to play favorites. But I did narrow it down to my top five. So I'll (laughs) give a brief description starting with probably my first quilt was one that my mom made me that I carried off to college and just treasure, but it is in the most garish 1970s color palette (laughs) that you can ever imagine with bright orange background and purple and yellow and green butterflies and flowers. But it's really special to me because she made that for me when I was a kid. Number two on the list is my Teal Universe, 
that became the cover quilt for my first book. So that has a special place in my heart. Big and Bright was my first magazine submission that got accepted and then ended up on the cover. So I'm very proud of that quilt as well. Number four would be Directions, which was my 2021 block of the month pattern. And I just really loved putting that together and incorporating some really fun free motion quilting designs on that. So that's been a great adventure this year. And then my all-time favorite quilt, I'd have to say, is my Arizona flag quilt that I made for the 2012 centennial celebration that we had here in Arizona. So I recreated the Arizona flag out of one-inch squares. I had the crazy idea to do a postage stamp quilt, and it has 2,012 pieces in the quilt top. Wow. So, yeah, people see it, and it obviously makes a visual impact to see that kind of quilt. If they're a quilter, they'll ask if I have a pattern, and I just (laughs) laugh. I say, who else would be crazy enough to do a quilt knowing at the start that it has 2,012 pieces? So I know people have made quilts with many more pieces than that. You just get started making scrappy blocks, and you end up with wonderful large quilts that have thousands of pieces but yeah it's kind of fun how neat i'm just trying to picture how teeny tiny those squares are yeah you start with one and a half inches and you could certainly make that pattern with larger strips but i set myself a challenge and i had to follow through how neat so what tool do you enjoy using when you're quilting That's another one that's very hard to narrow down. So I will say that I love making half square triangles with the easy angle ruler. So that's a great tool to have in your sewing kit. Mm -hmm. And which is your favorite part of the quilting process? I'm just going to keep going with that answer that it's too hard to (laughs) narrow down because I really do enjoy every stage because I love picking out fabric and spending those what can be hours in the quilt store, you know, finding the perfect combination. And then it's exciting to cut everything and get started sewing and see those first blocks come together. And then when you're putting borders on and you know you're so close to finishing and as a long arm quilter, I love the quilting stage of the process. And then again, that sense of accomplishment when you get that last stitch in the binding. So I really do enjoy every stage of the process. That's a fun answer, too. I know I have heard before that people like it all because they don't get bored with one step. I like how you explained Each part has a wonderful part to it. Yeah, and I think that's why people are drawn to quilting because they really can kind of slow down and immerse themselves in a creative process. It naturally flows from one step to another. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. (laughs) It involves Jack. You know, everybody has their traumatic experience with the seam ripper. So I am 
no different there. And part of it, I have really learned and am actively working on my stubborn streak that I just kind of get an idea and I plow ahead. I did that at my detriment in this one instance because I was doing a pantograph edge-to-edge design on a customer quilt and I knew it had some issues but I like I said I just plowed ahead and finished the quilt and it ended up with a pleat down the entire length of a queen size quilt. Oh no. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and gave it back to the customer and she was like but Andy, this, you know, and I was pretty embarrassed at that point that I had let it get that far. Think, you know, she'll just live with it. Well, no, you need to do good work. So I ended up taking every stitch out of a queen size quilt. So oh, I can't uh, even imagine that. Yeah, sometimes you just got to do it. So, you know, luckily, this was in the age of Netflix. So you just put a good show on the TV <laughs> and sit there for several long days taking that out but then I was able to get it reloaded and did some custom quilting so that I was able to keep a better eye on where the backing was going on that one like I said I've since learned my lesson that if problems crop up you need to address them and not just ignore them and hope they'll get better because they rarely do what has drawn you to do quilting rather than spending your time on other things? I think that quilting just engages so many different aspects of your brain and your energy. The creativity, obviously, is wonderful. Being able to create something tangible that's useful and is going to leave a legacy. There's so many different aspects of quilting that are so enjoyable and can bring joy to others too. So it's a great hobby. I think everybody should make a quilt. (laughs) And who do you make your quilts for? As the daughter of a quilter, you can imagine that our family is covered You know, we could have a different quilt on the bed almost every day. (laughs) (laughs) So the family has definitely gotten plenty of quilts. So I try to make my quilts for charity, for friends and, you know, other special occasions. Since I do have a quilt business, a lot of my quilts are assignments from other places. I make quilt samples for shops, for classes, for fabric companies, that kind of thing. And once they've served that purpose, then I do try to find a suitable charity for my quilts. Quilts of Valor is a popular one. There are some local charity groups that I donate to as well. Oh, neat. That's such a great way to use them. I'd like to have an ultimate destination. It's going to be a tragedy to have the big pile of quilts at the garage sale, hopefully decades from now, but (laughs) when I'm no longer here and they don't have the story behind them. So that's also a reminder to label your quilts and keep a journal of things so that future generations can appreciate your thoughts and your desires for all your quilts. 
Yeah. So what project are you working on right now? Today's task is to finish up a quilt for an island boutique assignment. I am currently on the Island Boutique Ambassador Team for 2021. Island Boutique Fabric Company selects a few people. I think their current roster is around 22 or 23 of us. And they send us fabric that we can then create specific projects. They have a theme for every month and I need to get my June project finished up. So that will be fun to share here in the next few weeks, June of 2021. But I have several things going on. I'm making another version of my directions quilt in a different colorway for that block of the month project. I've got an Elizabeth Hartman animal quilt that I haven't touched in a few months, but I'm anxious to get back to that. So yeah, lots of, lots of works in progress going on. Mm -hmm. Please share a quilting tip with me. Labeling your quilts and keeping a journal or some notes on your thoughts. Like I said, a lot of my projects, there's a story behind it. I've made it for a specific person. I've chosen a specific colorway or something about the fabric spoke to me. And so being able to share those stories is one of the fun things about quilting. Obviously, you don't want your label to take up the entire back of the quilt, but perhaps having a journal or diary or something about the various quilts that you've made would be interesting for future generations. Things like this podcast are terrific too, because that's a way to share our quilting stories. Yeah. Tell me about how you went from having quilting just as a hobby to making it your business. It's all my mom's fault. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that with love. As I shared, she had a quilt shop for several years, and there was quite a bit of time between when she closed her shop and when I started my business. I think I took True Blue Quilts online as a pattern shop in 2015, and she actually had the suggestion for our first book. I've written two books with her as a co-author and she sits back and designs them and has all these great ideas. And then I sit at the computer and get the patterns drafted and the graphic design images all set and things. So I grumble sometimes that she has the fun part because she gets to sew the whole thing and (laughs) I'm doing the work at the computer to get the final product out. But no, I do enjoy it. And it's so much fun spending time with her. So that really was the impetus to start the business was having these ideas for patterns that we wanted to share with other quilters. It is so cool that you get to do that with your mom. Yeah, we really have a good time together. Mm -hmm. Now, the name of your business is True Blue Quilt. How did that come about? How did you name it? I chose the name to link back to my Air Force days, actually, because my college years were as a cadet at the Air Force Academy. 
And our class motto was True Blue 92. And I shamelessly stole that slogan and incorporated it into my quilt business because when you start a business, you have to do all sorts of investigation about names and things. And I had several ideas that were already taken, but True Blue was available. And I just thought that was a good name. Blue has always been my favorite color. So that helps there. And it just gives those connotations of friendship and loyalty and connection that I'm looking for in the quilt world. I love that. That is so cool. Now, you and your mom have written a couple books. Tell me about them. Our first collaboration was Monochromatic Quilts, Amazing Variety. And we had been looking around and saw that at the time, this is 2015, there weren't many quilts or there wasn't a focus on kind of that just one color idea. The ombre style of fabrics and quilts has since we've seen more of it in recent years, but we found our little niche there of an area of quilting and of color theory that needed a little more explanation. So that's how we decided on the first book theme. And we really did go with the theme and then build the quilts around that theme. So each quilt in the monochromatic book is a totally different color. There's the teal universe that I mentioned was on the cover. There is a red quilt, an orange quilt, a purple quilt, a pink quilt, and several others. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but that was the first book. And then our second book is called Angle Play the Easy Way. Angle Play is a special set of templates designed originally by Margaret Miller, and her business for the templates has since been taken over by Julie Loma. My mom became a certified Angle Play instructor many years ago, and we just had fun playing with those triangles that you can make with the Angle Play templates. Again, we kind of wanted to update and offer additional patterns for those templates. And that's where the second book came from. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. As I said, we just kind of bounce ideas off each other. And it's one of those Venn diagram kind of relationships where we each have our own style with that overlap in the common area that we can find in the middle. But looking at the books, you can definitely see a little bit of difference there. And so especially with the monochromatic book, you can look at through the patterns and they're like, okay, Andy did those and Mary did these other ones because there are some distinct differences that I will leave to the audience to explore and figure out. Well, I saw you got to be interviewed by Leah Day on your book, Monochromatic Quilts. Yeah, that was a fun podcast a few years ago. How neat. Now, I will go ahead and link that on your episode page so that people can go to my website and find those things for you. Awesome. I wanted to know, how did you feel 
when you saw your big and bright quilt on the front of a magazine? Oh my gosh, that was so funny. So the magazine publishing process, you work months ahead of time, obviously, to get your quilt finished and sent to the magazine and they take all the pictures and they send a copy of the magazine to you maybe a week or two before it hits stores to be sold and you don't know what's going on you just you know you sent the quilt to them they're gonna publish it and it's all a big surprise so the envelope came with the preview copies and I literally screamed. I was just dumbfounded, amazed, excited. My husband thought I was having a heart attack. He's like, what? What's going on? He came running in from the other room and I was waving the magazine saying, I'm on the cover. (laughs) Because it really is a total surprise when you open that envelope. You think you're going to have to flip through to the middle of the magazine to find your article. And there it was staring me in the face from the cover. So I was really thrilled. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, anytime, even with the books that we self-published, you know, you get your author copies from Amazon and it's like, oh, wow, there's my name. I did that. (laughs) And describe the feeling you had when that first order came through for one of your books. It is still a thrill. And I'm sure anyone that does online sales, whether it's Etsy or some other platform, the technology now they can make a little ding sound and you just get that little thrill that oh someone liked it enough that they're actually spending money on it that's so exciting and again the connection with other quilters and people around the world it just happened last week I was scrolling through Facebook and recognized a quilt and I had to reach out to the person and say hey is that this pattern that I designed and they said yes and I was like oh wow you know someone liked it enough and they made it themselves it really is a exciting thrilling way to have that connection with other people Mm -hmm. do sometimes people send you pictures of ones they made yes and actually not exactly a picture of a quilt but going back to the magazine article I had a gal I worked with in the Air Force reach out to me because she saw my quilt in a magazine and they put a little blurb with your email. And so the email said, is this the Andy that was in the Air Force? And she listed, you know, where we worked together. And it was so fun to connect almost 20 years later because of quilting. So you never know where this journey is going to take you. Yeah, how fun. I also wanted to mention that you have other YouTube videos out there. Yes, my YouTube channel is True Blue Quilts. So you can just search for that title and my channel will come up. And I share different patterns and techniques and quilting related topics. I try to post a new video every week. So hopefully you can find something you like at the True Blue Quilts YouTube channel. And you offer long arm service and you sell patterns on your website, correct? Yes, I am a long arm quilter 
for hire. I tend to keep that in my local area. I don't know how people feel about sending quilts in the mail, but I know I would be devastated if something happened to a quilt in transit. So I tend to keep that to local people where I can deliver quilts in person. You can find my patterns online. My website is also truebluequilts.com. Easy to remember. Everything spelled the normal American true blue way. And I also teach classes. And over this last year of everybody being at home, we've really embraced the Zoom technology. So I think that's just a fun way to get together with quilters and guilds across the world even to be able to do those Zoom classes and lectures. Mm -hmm. On your episode page on my website, A Quilter's Life, I will have your links on there that people can click through to find you also. Thank you so much. I know we all spend a little too much time online, but definitely check out A Quilter's Life and the links to the various places that you can find true blue quilts. And then I hope everybody is inspired to go play with their fabric and create something beautiful. Great. Now, is there anything else you would like to share with me today? We have had such a wonderful conversation, Paula. I think we've touched on a lot of good stuff. I can't think of anything else at the moment. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me today. I so appreciate you being with me. I've had a wonderful time, Paula. Thanks so much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.